What is up, guys? Welcome to the July 26th edition of Talk Flagler Weekly News Update. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Gollin, the chief political and cultural writer for AskFlagler.com. We got a big week of news uh, for you guys today. Uh, but first, let's go and jump straight into our weather forecast. Um, starting today on Monday the 26th, currently it is forecasted to be a high of 87 low of 75 and a 32% chance of rain. And that's going to more or less set the theme for the coming week. Uh, the rain chance is going to hover in the mostly in the 20s or 30s. There's a, a time in the middle of the week where we're a bit more likely to get some, get some showers. But the temperature is going to stay in the high 80s. It might peak up into the low 90s uh, this coming weekend. But it is, for the most part, a typical Florida summer week as far as weather is concerned. So jumping into the news for the week uh, in the government and business section, um, Governor Ron DeSantis was here just recently. Um, He came to visit a Palm Coast uh, Little League baseball tournament. Um, For those of you who don't know, Ron DeSantis is uh, a local boy. He represented uh, Flagler County among parts of Volusia and um, some other surrounding areas in the United States Congress before he was governor. So DeSantis kind of came back home and uh, visited a little league event. Um, it was a big, you know, big day for the the kids out there playing baseball. DeSantis himself has a history. I believe he played college baseball at Yale. But um, so yeah, he came out, shook a lot of hands, signed some baseballs, talked to a lot of kids, and uh, it seemed to be a very good event for the community. Also in government and business, the Palm Coast City Council considered the uh, setting the millage rate for the fiscal year of 2022 at their uh, Tuesday meeting last week. The council was ultimately not able to come to a decision on the rate. A few different ones were proposed. Uh, So the council is legally obligated to set next year's millage rate by August 4th, which is, as we know, quickly approaching. What the council decided to do is to wait until a mayor is elected, which happens tomorrow, by the way. Uh, wait until a mayor is elected so they can sit down and reconsider this issue with five votes on the council instead of just four, hopefully eliminate some of that deadlock. But in deliberating on the process, um, there are a few things considered. Uh, one motion that was uh, put forward was to keep the millage rate the same. The millage rate has been 4.6989 since the fiscal year of 2019. Uh, before that, it was a little bit lower. So that motion was proposed and did not ultimately end up getting passed, uh, nor did anything, obviously. But um, uh, another motion was proposed by Councilman Ed Danko to lower the millage rate to 4.60. Uh, Danko said um, his justification was he wanted to give the residents of Palm Coast a little bit of a tax break after the financial hardships of COVID-19 this past year. And while that sentiment was not unpopular on the council of potentially lowering the rate, Danko did run into a little bit of a debate with fellow councilman Nick Klufus, who wanted to sit down and and point out where in the budget they would be cutting to account for a tax cut. And uh, the two of them debated the issue for a little bit. It did get a little bit personal, as it has in recent memory. If you've been to Pomco City Council meetings, you will know. And uh, ultimately, that motion did not. It, uh, it actually didn't get a second 
Danko's motion. Um, Victor Barbosa did initially second it, but then he uh, retracted his second later on. Barbosa would move on to suggest a millage rate of 4.4593, which is actually a more drastic rollback than um, what Ed Danko had suggested. That's actually considered the rolled back rate in the, what was proposed to the council. It was the lowest proposed tax um, millage rate, and uh, that would set the and what, by, by the way, what millage rate is, is it is the maximum rate that a property tax can be set in Palm Coast. And so um, Barbosa wanted that that maximum, that cap, to be the lowest out of any member of the council. Uh, his motion did get a second from Ed Danko, and it ended up failing to, to nothing, or two to two, sorry. There were there was considerable debate on the issue, but eventually acting mayor Eddie Branchino. Uh, probably accurately said that it was not really going to be going anywhere. And um, they did not end up getting a rate passed uh, at the Tuesday meeting. So stay tuned. They are going to be reconvening on that. And they are legally obligated to set a rate by August 4th. Uh, Another item of note in that meeting was um, afterward in the council comments section, uh, acting mayor Brankino was talking about uh, the visit from DeSantis and he, um, he, he made a remark essentially saying, you know, it was a great visit from DeSantis, unlike his last visit. And he referenced um, a conversation that Danko had had with a voter in which Danko told the voter that DeSantis had given Melissa Holland, former mayor, an ultimatum of either resign or face prosecution. So Brankino in his comments section said, I liked this visit more than that visit. And uh, Brankino came out afterward to say that that was sarcasm. And he uh, wanted it known that he was calling Ed Danko a liar. Those were his words. And, um, but the, the comment took to social media, people saw it and people were very adamant that it was not sarcasm. Now, of course, the only person who knows if it was sarcasm was acting mayor Brankino, but a lot of people on social media are pretty confident that it was not sarcasm. Whereas Eddie maintains that it was now speaking of kind of in that same vein, uh, another big story that just came out uh, on Friday in government and business, a complaint filed against former mayor, Melissa Holland is set to be heard by the uh, Florida commission on ethics, or it's set to be heard at the time of this recording. Uh, It has already been heard by the time you're listening to it. Uh, The complaint was filed by former employee of the city, Jay Marr. He filed the complaint alleging that Holland had misused her uh, office of mayor. His quote in the initial report read, on many occasions over the last year, the mayor has interfered with the performance of the city of Palm Coast employees in violation of section 11 of the city charter. On other occasions, it appears that she potentially misused her position in attempts to garner special consideration for her and her employer, Coastal Cloud. So that is what Mar is alleging, and now we know that that complaint has moved a step forward. Um, as many of you know, Melissa Holland resigned her office in May of 2021. Uh, that's why we're having this whole big special election, is to find the long-term replacement. Holland has denied uh, any accusations of wrongdoing at every stage of the process, but she also has said that she would cooperate with uh, the ethics commission if they chose to proceed with the inquiry as it now appears they are going to do. 
Uh, Melissa Holland started working for Coastal Cloud in 2017, and she was elected mayor of Palm Coast in 2016. The incident in question came in 2018, in which Coastal Cloud did a pro bono deal with the city to work with their communications department. Uh, and the agreement also included a $108,000 a year uh, software lease. So there have been allegations by people, including JMAR, against Holland and against former city manager Matt Morton, that there were uh, some nefarious doings involved in this deal, that Holland was using her office for um, uh, what you would call self-serving purposes. And um, Marr uh, basically in his accusations has said that um, former city manager Matt Morton, who resigned very shortly after Holland, um, also resigned due to this uh, impending investigation and um, Holland, of course, the reason she gave for resigning was that she uh, needed to go look after her sick daughter. Uh, it's well known her daughter's had health issues in recent memory. And so when Holland resigned, she told everybody that that was why. Um, that has obviously been questioned by some individuals in recent memory, including Marr and including Councilman Ed Danko, who, um, who revealed at a council meeting, he said he had been briefed by a law enforcement agency and a confidential briefing that he did not, he did not specify which law enforcement agency, but he said he had received this briefing in which they had told him that Holland had not resigned due to her daughter. So um, regardless of um, you know all the situation, we've certainly had renewed interest into Holland and, you know, how much of a, a thing is this uh, whole, um, you know, ethics commission, discussing this now, you know, what are the implications of this? And right now it's a little bit hard to tell. Uh, the Daytona Beach News Journal was the first on the story uh, on Friday. And so it's uh, unclear what all is going to come out with this. It is likely not going to be made public information before Tuesday's election. Um, it wasn't really, it wasn't actually even public information that they were having this hearing. This is something an anonymous source gave to the News Journal. So uh, a lot going on in that sphere. But moving on into the uh, culture section of the news, um, good news for residents of the R section. Ravenwood Drive is set to have some new streetlights installed uh, starting, um, let's see, starting on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. Uh, streetlights are being installed along Ravenwood Drive. Um, on August 2nd of this year, the contractor will begin installing the actual street poles. Uh, there will be some daily lane closures for uh, one and a half to two weeks. There will be flagging people present between 7 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. while this is going on. Uh, furthermore, in culture, um, great new music story. I think we all need a little bit of uh, some new music right now, something a little bit more um, you know, happy and uplifting than some of the government news going on a uh, new single from Juan. It is uh, that is the stage name of Juan Mallorca. He is a Palm coast based musician who has been in uh, some of the pioneering local bands of the scene, including bloom and King's canvas. And he is now working on his solo career. He has released a new single called temple featuring a minor lift, another uh, close associated artist. And that single is now streaming on Spotify, Apple music, iTunes, Amazon, wherever you view music. So search Juan, he spells his stage name H-U-A-N, not J-U-A-N. So search you know, Temple by Juan to check it out. Some great local art coming out of Palm Coast. Uh, furthermore, the Splash Pad in Holland Park, which was opened in May to uh, you know, 
great fanfare is uh, having a, a few little problems lately. There's a section of the rubber ground that is uh, experiencing some cracking. So that's going to be closed off for the time being while they look at that. So anyone looking to bring their kids maybe to that splash pad uh, at Holland Park off of Florida Park Drive, just be mindful of that, that the um, they are experiencing some localized and some widespread closures as of late. Moving on to the crime and sheriff portion of the news, uh, a reckless driving complaint has led to the seizure of fentanyl and arrest of drug traffickers by the Flagler County Sheriff's Office. Just goes to show that uh, anytime our uh, our deputies go out on a call, just about anything can happen. It can turn from something uh, relatively, you know, taciturn, not not that out of the ordinary, like a reckless driving call into something quite, you know, out of the ordinary, like uh, what ends up being a big drug seizure. But uh, they were able to make that happen. Uh, deputies arrived to see a 2006 Silver Lincoln on the side of the road with two flat tires. When they initiated contact with the two individuals, um, they were attempting to fix the flat tire. And um, started out, deputies saw a knife in one of the individual's waistband. And um, they noticed that both individuals were under the influence of narcotics. Um, one of the individuals was asked to retrieve their phone from the vehicle. And uh, as they were doing so, a plastic bag filled with a green leafy material, it was said, was observed in plain sight by the deputy. And of course, as we know, it all kind of spiraled from there. And um, so that is the crime and sheriff portion of the news. Moving on to the mayoral election, which I'm sure everybody is uh, still very enthusiastic about and not at all fatigued by. Um, early voting has begun. Make sure, you know, do your civic duty, get out there and vote, research the candidates. Uh, as always, you can go on askflagler.com under the mayoral election tag. We have interviews with five out of the six candidates. If you want to go on there and see what they think about the most pressing issues in Flagler County right now, um, there are also interviews conducted by the Palm Coast Observer and Flagler Live. So look at all your media outlets, you know, get a variety of different questions asked to these candidates and find out who would best represent you as the helm of the city council. Uh, early voting hours are 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, as of today, let's see, today is Monday. So actually, uh, early voting would have concluded by the time this episode airs. Tomorrow is election day. Make sure you get down there to vote if you have not already. Uh, there will be uh, a few different um, a few different places to vote. You'll be able to go to the Supervisor of Elections Office, the Flagler County Public Library, and the Palm Coast Community Center. Uh, there are also going to be uh, a couple precinct changes, uh, temporary precinct changes for this election only, according to the Supervisor of Elections Office. Precinct 8 will be voting at the Flagler County Association of Realtors building on 100. So if you know if you're driving on 100 toward Bunnell, if you have the pawn shop on the right, the uh, building that says FCAR will be on the left. That would be on the south side of the road. And that's where Precinct 8 will be voting. Precinct 33 will be voting um, at Old King's Elementary School, which is um, if you're on that same road, but you're driving toward the beach, you make a right onto Old King's uh, at the corner where, uh, you know, the Winn-Dixie Shopping Center is. 
You turn down there and Old King's Road will be on your left. So if you're in either Precinct 8 or Precinct 33, make sure you have taken note of these changes to the, um, the voting locations. Furthermore, in uh, news about the mayoral election, there was a uh, news journal debate at uh, Buddy Taylor Middle School, and it drew all six candidates. It was the second and presumably final time that all six would be in the same place at the same time. You had Carol Baca, David Alfin, Kathy Estrino, Doug Courtney, Alan Lowe, and Cornelia Manfrey. Uh, These six all were given a handful of uh, the same questions, and they were given a little bit of time to answer. Uh, Relatively uneventful, I would say, when you look at it in the scope of how our city government has been lately, um, the answers were given without too much, um, you know, there were, there were, weren't personal attacks being thrown every, every which way, uh, it stayed very issue oriented and, uh, it gave voters, you know, one of their last chances to engage with the candidates, find out who best matches their values. So, uh, that should be, I believe available on the news journal's Facebook page to rewatch. Don't quote me on that, but definitely look into that if you want to see some of these candidates speak. So with that, that really uh, concludes the weekly news roundup. Um, any, you know, for any final thoughts, just make sure you are voting tomorrow on election day. Uh, it is really, it is the civic duty. So much of your life here as a resident of Palm Coast is going to be affected by the outcome of that race from your taxes to public works to amenities, all kinds of things will uh hinge on what kind of leader we have in this election. Obviously, Ask Flagler does not make any endorsements, so we're not going to encourage you to vote for any particular candidate. But do the research, figure out which candidate fits what you believe is right for Palm Coast, and make sure you show up to vote for them. All right, and coming up on this episode of Talk Flagler Weekly News Update, very exciting interview. We have former county administrator Jerry Cameron on the show for uh, an exclusive interview with Ask Flagler. Stay tuned. All right, Jerry Cameron, thank you for coming on. Thanks for the invitation. It's nice to be back here. Yes, sir. So uh, the first question, um, now that your tenure as county administrator has reached its end, how do you view your, uh, your time in the seat? Well, it, it was a distinct privilege. Uh, it's, it was just just a great opportunity at this stage in, in my career, which is at the end of it. But uh, there were just some terrifically talented people, some really concerned uh, commissioners that, that really wanted to get the county back on the right path. And... Uh, it, it came together as a wonderful team, and I was just uh, privileged to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Did it go uh, kind of the way you were expecting it when you signed up for the job? Well, n- not exactly. I mean, they they had a few more challenges than uh, I had anticipated. Yeah. And uh, it, then we, we had a hurricane, and then we had COVID, and <laughs> uh, it, was, uh, it was a challenging time. Yeah. For sure. Um, what was that like, speaking of which, during COVID, kind of like getting into adjusting for that? Like, what what went on on, on your side of things? Well, behind the scenes, we, we were meeting constantly because 
the situation was so dynamic. Things were, were changing. Guidance from Washington and CDC uh, was changing daily. And, you know, first you had to wear, couldn't wear a mask, and then you had to wear a mask, and then you had to wear two masks. And, you know, it was... <laughs> It was it was fun times, but uh, working with Jonathan Lord uh, and John Brower on the financial side uh, really made it fairly easy. Uh, we we had an opportunity to uh, to to really uh, chart some new ground because uh, the the guidance that we had wasn't clear and. Uh, Ended up, the team made a lot of good decisions that uh, accomplished two things. We had uh, one of one of the lowest, if not the lowest, infection rate in the state of Florida, mm-hmm. and we we did not cripple the local economy. Uh, we, we were able to navigate those those waters, and uh, we got vaccine out very quickly when they put it in our our hands. Uh, our, our partnership with the health department was fantastic. And Bob Snyder uh, worked very closely with us. Uh, and as a team, we got those vaccines out very rapidly. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Jonathan Lord. We had him on the show uh, a little while back. He was the first guest on like the weekly edition of it. Those guys do such a great job. He, he is fantastic. Uh, Flagler County was indeed fortunate to have him at the time that, that he came here. Uh, Little did he know he was going to be faced with all these challenges, but uh, it really stretched him and he grew. Uh, he's, he's one of the best in the state. Absolutely. Um, was there some kind of like protocol in place for a pandemic at the county level before it happened? Not really. Not for no. a pandemic. Uh, it was kind of developed as we went along. Uh, we were having uh, conference calls daily with, with all of the stakeholders, uh, the, the various municipalities, uh, state agencies, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it really worked out well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's but there will be a protocol now. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, it's not. It's not something that happens uh, all too terribly often. Yeah. You know, for a, a worldwide pandemic to reach you know each and every county the way that it did. Yeah, we we haven't had one since the uh, nineteen, uh, probably in the t- nineteen. Spanish uh, flu, fifteen, fourteen area Spanish flu mm-hmm. during during World World War One. I. I mean, growing up for me, you know, I remember the the Ebola and the Zika virus being a bit of a big deal when I was maybe preteen teenager. But I mean, that was you know, if I had like one case in the state of Florida, that was a big deal compared to this, where it's like you know it got everywhere. It changed yeah, this, everything. This stuff was very infectious. Absolutely, and yeah, it's like when I because I dealt with it myself. I was infected in November. I wound up getting it in, in St. John's County, not in Flagler. So it was pretty good that, you know, our county kind of pulled through, did a pretty relatively good job with the case numbers, you know, relative to other counties in, uh, in the state. It generally stayed pretty low. And, you know, obviously not perfect. You know, there's there a lot of, you know, tragedy. And, no, you, you, cases, you had to but, do some, some learning experience uh, mm-hmm. there, but, uh, the, the team was able to adapt very quickly to those changing circumstances and, and the, the great relationships and communications we had was, was a large part of that. 
Yeah, and no, no one took it perfectly in stride, but there's still a lot to be proud of, I think, with Pelagra County, how it was handled. And it appears it's not over. Uh, the, yeah. you, you know, now we're dealing with a, a variant and a potential resurgence, but hopefully the lessons we learned the last go around will will be good. Hopefully so, yeah. So um, what what ended up driving your decision to step down from county administrator this year? Well, when I came in, uh, initially uh, it was to, to be there just to, to help them with a national search. And uh, it became apparent in the first couple of weeks that the challenges that they had uh, were going to be a serious obstacle from somebody out of the area uh, mm-hmm. that, that uh, didn't have relationships. And uh, I talked with the chair of the commission and several commissioners, and we decided that I would uh, clear some of that off of the runway so the other guy could successfully land. Mm-hmm. And in the process, uh, you know, I budgeted two years for that, and I actually went two years, four months. But uh, it, it was uh, a decision that I'm at the end of the career. I just finished building a house uh, that my wife, right, she designed the house of her dreams. I was the uh, general contractor on the house. And at 70-something years old, I just didn't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. And the state law requires you to move if you're going to be appointed as a full-time. Had I been 15 years younger, I would have jumped all over this. And uh, uh, it's such a great place to live. There, there are so many uh, great challenges that are that are out there that, that uh, give you a lot of satisfaction when you're able to uh, to succeed. And the staff, uh, once they understood that they had permission to make mistakes. And they could make decisions themselves. They didn't have to be second-guessed or micromanaged. Uh, there was just a burst of creativity. I would have liked to stay around for about five or six more years to see the end of that. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to tell this community that I'm an interim administrator and stay here for six or eight years. Right, right. So... The transition happened on July 4th, correct? July 3rd was my last day. All right, so July 3rd, and then um, Heidi Petito took over as the next interim administrator. So in that, let's see, I want to say about a few weeks, at least at the time this episode comes out, what have you been up to in the time since? Uh, I didn't get to catch the question. Oh, what have you been up to since uh, the transition? Oh, well, you, you know, getting your insurance straightened out and, and your uh, Social Security straightened out and all of those things and uh, figuring out where to store all the stuff I took out of the office and dealing with people that called uh, and wanted to know if I was interested in in various employment, which I'm not at the time, yeah, uh, present time. And, uh, you, you know, that kept me busy for a couple of weeks anyway. And my wife has got a two-year-long honeydew list that built up while I was uh, commuting <laughs> down here. Yeah. So uh, no, no big vacations or anything for the time being. Uh, not for the time being. I just, uh, I haven't. I've got a woodworking shop that I really enjoy. Uh, haven't had a chance to really get it organized, and uh, I'd like to take a few months and just do that stuff. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. But uh, I never realized that uh, retirement would be this busy. Right, right. So um, do you have any more, any plans in the future? Do you want to reenter the public sector or even get into the, uh, the private sector again? Uh, you know, I, I've never planned that stuff out. Uh, it, it's, it just sort of comes to me uh, as this, this particular job did. And uh, I, I really have no aspirations to do that if the right thing came along in the future. And I, I thought that I had the energy to put into it and make a success of it. I, I would entertain it. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the Leadership Academy that you put on with the county. Because I, uh, I got to be there, luckily, to see the, the graduation at the um, the county commission meeting and uh, it seemed like there were a lot of really proud graduates from that class. Well, that, that's the amazing uh, thing. That was the really unexpected, huge benefit uh, that was so satisfying is to watch those folks grow uh, very rapidly. When, when you presented them with the basic concepts of leadership, Dr. Joe Saviak uh, brought a, a lot of the, the more formal uh, curriculum in that he had used when he taught at uh, uh, Flagler College. Uh, I taught some of the age-old principles of leadership that uh, have proved very successful for me throughout my career. Uh, And I I just, uh, to to watch those people grow, and some of them get ignited with with a passion for self-improvement uh, uh-huh. You know, we'd have three or four out of both of the classes that just caught on fire and they went out and started getting master's degrees and all sorts of stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, it was a really rewarding portion of that. Uh, I'd have to say it's the most rewarding yeah. portion of it. What sort of stuff was uh, was taught in that class? Well, we, we taught this is some of the the fundamentals of leadership that have been around for thousands of years that you aren't truly successful unless you make people, other people successful and how the examples of how that's been done over and over. We, we, we kind of paint it with different colors, uh, every generation, but same principles apply. You can find them in religious manuals. You can find them in, in uh, military manuals. You can find them, everywhere and they, they are universally successful. It's, it's, it gets to be monotonous when you read what what uh, people over millennia have written about uh, leadership qualities. Yeah, because it's like the same general principles have been agreed upon over and over again. Human nature hadn't changed any in thousands of years. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it seemed like a really great class there. I remember um, a few familiar faces in there, like um, there was the the baseball coach from FBC. Yes, I remembered um, Nellan Joseph. Am I saying his name right? Nellan, Nealan. Uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, Nealan. Nealan. The uh, he was the valedictorian, correct? Yeah, he was. He's he was great. He came alive in that program. Uh, his his confidence shot way up, and uh, he he has become a, a, a very outspoken leader. That's awesome. Is there a, is this something just anyone in the community can sign up for to go through? No, it was originally designed for uh, uh, Flagler County employees, but then we determined that uh, if we had the constitutional officers and 
and brought in a couple of uh, from from the municipalities that we we not only uh, were able to help produce uh, leaders in other aspects of, of Flagler County, but we were able to create a, a network and a camaraderie uh, that broke down some of the barriers that we've had historically here in the county between municipalities and county and other agencies. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. So um, since you've been out now, have you gotten the chance to observe um, your successor, Heidi Petito? How do you think she's done? Well, I uh, have observed her from afar. Uh, I have gotten great reports uh, on what she is is uh, doing and, and the style that she's applying, which is no surprise to me. Uh, she's very, very capable. She's, she's been capable in every position she's been in. And uh, my job mainly is, of course, I'm there if she calls, but stay out of the way and not be a distraction for her, uh, that she's going to have her own style uh She's going to have her own way of doing things, and I don't need to be in the way and, and cause confusion with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, I, you know, I, I, I really miss the folks that I love those guys, and uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not uh, not getting deeply involved until she has a chance to get her feet firmly on the ground. Right, and I'm sure that's that's simultaneously good for her to kind of have you know her own path to carve out that's a right. position, and also. It must be kind of good for you just to take a, a breather from, you know, just the, the hecticness of running and, running a county. And historically, you know, up until a couple of presidents ago, uh, presidents, when they stepped out of office, never went public for, for a year. That was the rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. They didn't come out and talk about policy and talk about who was doing what right. uh, for a year to give the other guy a chance to, to get his feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. It's a good tradition of office. And so far, I've heard nothing but, but good things about Heidi from people uh, who are familiar. She, if, if she gets good support from this commission for six to 12 months, she's going to be one of the best administrators in Northeast Florida. Absolutely. We can only hope. Yep. And uh, so next, I have like a, a bit of a, a two-part question here. In your time as administrator, what was, number one, your, your proudest accomplishment? And then something, looking back, you wish you had done differently. I think the Leadership Academy was, without question, the best accomplishment. Uh, Things that I did that might have been higher profile or have uh, more impact in a shorter period of time were were things, uh, fixing some things like uh, the Plantation Bay and the sheriff situation those things. And although I got a lot of credit for it, the credit really went to staff that, that worked out all the details for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was a, a, a great experience, but the lasting legacy, uh, if there is a legacy, is what the folks that went through leadership and the folks that I had a chance to individually mentor uh, will do in, in the future. Because one of the values that was instilled is that their success depends on the success of others, and and they will carry that forward. Mm-hmm. And then, but then, how about something you um, you might have approached differently if you're given the chance? 
Well, hindsight is is, is always really good. Right. Uh, you 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 can you then know the unknowns. Uh, I guess that if I had anything that I would have liked to have done in a, a different way, uh, probably would have been to have started the academy a little sooner uh, mm-hmm. and and made made some plans for that. Uh, I was very disappointed that I wasn't able to clear up the, the Bing's Landing situation. I thought we were very close in settling that uh, out of court. It's very expensive to settle those things in court. And, you know, the parties, uh, the, the captain's barbecue folks are good folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just was a, a muddled up situation from the very beginning. Right. And uh, we were almost there, and then the commission decided, and, and it's certainly in their purview to do that, that we had talked enough that let's just go and have the judge tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So the last question, and it is a big one, what do you think from what you've learned in doing it goes into being an effective leader within a government, be that city, county, or at any level? Well, the first thing, the motto of the Leadership Academy is achieving success through the success of others. Uh, if you believe for one second as the chief executive of an organization that size that you're capable of micromanaging your department heads, there's not a single job in that county that I could go into tomorrow and do as well as the person that's doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I could learn, but... When I've got a finance department that's got four or five people there that eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, five days a week are into the details, in the deep weeds, figuring this stuff out. For me to assume that from my office down the hall that I can second guess them is, is a poor assumption. And that assumption, I, I have to give credit to this commission, is they didn't stay in the weeds. They, they said what we want to accomplish. We told them how much money that we had to accomplish it. And they told us how they wanted to prioritize that, and we carried it out. That's the way it's supposed to work. But if they get down second-guessing somebody over a road and bridge about what's the priority of, of roads that need repair, uh, That that's uh, hopelessly fatal. Right. Uh, the, and, and it happens so often. Mm-hmm. Because not many people are trained to be board members. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that, that's, uh, that's, that's one of the things that, that you've got to consider. And if you really want to be a, a leader, you've got to show people that you believe in them and you believe in them as much as you believe in yourself or maybe more, because if you don't show them that you believe in them, they won't believe in themselves. And if they don't believe in themselves, they will never reach their full potential. All right. Absolutely. So it looks like we're coming up on about the, looks like the 21 minute mark that flew by. I don't know about you. That that went pretty quickly, but uh, any final thoughts on uh, the interview? Well, I, I just appreciate the 
the opportunity, uh, number one, is to tell people in Flagler County how fortunate they are to have the team they have in place or all the way from the board down to the people that are actually carrying out the work on the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a great team, and uh, if they keep that esprit de corps and that team uh, mentality, uh, this county will go really great places. All right. Awesome. Jerry Cameron, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this edition of Talk Flagler Weekly News Update. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Jerry Cameron, and we will see you next week. 